and right in the thick of the action will be this man, uh, Heat Assistant Darren Lehman. Good morning, mate, and congratulations. <laughs> thanks, boys. How are you both? Good, good, Very good. well, thanks. You look pretty... Hey, 116 at half-time, Buff, that they'd made, Sydney Sixers. How many did you think that was short? Oh, probably about 15 or 20. It was, it was sort of 130, 135. It wasn't a great mm. wicket, Hills, as you know, you were there. Um, but it was more of a case of just trying to find a way to get to that total. And we, we squeezed really well with the ball uh, and obviously held all our catches, which you must do in key games. And I thought we performed really well in that area. Then they got on top of us with the bat after a reasonable start from our openers. And then, you know, Michael Nestor was the star of the show at the end. Hey, well, and wasn't he a star, mate? Uh, he did it with the ball and with the bat. It was just a, a... He made the wicket look like it wasn't tough. Yeah, he played really well. He just uh, hit to his strengths. He took the game on when he needed to. They took surge, I reckon, the right time to put pressure back on uh, the Sixers who were on top of that stage. So, you know, we, we lost the wicket in that surge, but then he hit those four fours in a row and then the game was all but done. Hey, these days, Buffer, um, how do you go uh, with seeing your team five for si- five for fifty? I think we were, weren't we? Five for forty-six yeah, or yeah. something. How how, do you, how are you thinking? I'm not too bad, mate. As assistant coach, I think Chuck's got all the problems as coach. He gets all those emotions now. Um, but you, you just actually work, work through it with the batters that are coming in. So, you know, they were all clear on what they were trying to do. Um, you know, it was a tough one to bat on, and they just found a way. So, you know, at 5 for 50, we were, and then to get back into the game, and then Nessa to play that lone hand as such, and, and have a bit of support around him was, was, was special. Hey, they're calling it one of the, the biggest upsets in, in BBL history. I don't know whether I quite agree with that, but we had Matty Kuhneman on the show yesterday, and he was just oozing confidence, mate. Yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? You know, they're a very experienced side. They, they've probably got the wicket they would like against us. Uh, but when you've got young players, and if you stick to the, the plan that we put in place and actually just trying to get lots of dots with the ball and create pressure like that and then keep a sub-total par and then go about it in reverse way with the bat, be positive early with the new ball when it's hard. Well, yes, we lost some wickets in the middle there, but then come home hard and, and it worked well. So... Inexperience and, and the fear of failure, they don't have it, the young kids these days. So that's the pleasing thing we've got as a, as a bonus for us. Yeah, we're having a little bit at three, four and five down, mate. Don't worry <laughs> about that. But um, I liked how did you send Hazlitt out? Like Hazlitt was very aggressive, which I quite like, and I think he's capable of pulling that off for you. Yeah, he is, mate. And I think the same will sort of go for Perth as such, be nice and positive uh, against their bowling line early. Yes, their quality side. But Sammy set the tone earlier where he said, oh, Keith is going to be a danger man for us. And we had to get on top of him. And I think he went for seven in his first over and then he went for 16 in his second over. So that got us to a 30-run power play, which is what you need when you're chasing a small total so you can really then just get ahead of the game as such. So, yeah, he was really good. Perth, what are you expecting, mate, wicket-wise? Oh, it'll be a good wicket, mate. Uh, it always is over there. So we actually batted quite well last time. We fell about... 15, 20 short when we got a really good start. So hopefully we learn from some mistakes we made there, which I'm sure we will, uh, and then you know produce a good total, whether we bat or we chase, whatever it is. And with the ball, it'll be a case of actually doing really good basics again. Yeah, you, you know the, the wicket you talked about, you know, it's going to be a good wicket in Perth, but is this one of the unfair things that you've got no days, really? You're not going to train this afternoon, probably. And once you get there or tomorrow morning, you've got no days to adjust lengths of your bowlers from Sydney to Perth. In, and it needs to change, doesn't it, to get to find the top of the stumps in Perth is a lot different length to Sydney. Yeah, it is, mate. Um, ha- having said that, though, our blokes obviously you know, grew up at the Gabba. That helps with that, that bounce, and the, especially with the yeah. bat and the ball. So, you know, it's not too bad. It's really just about recovering and getting ready. Uh, and the, that's our disadvantage, I suppose, finishing lower on the table in the finals. You, you, you don't get arrested as, as such. But also momentum is a good thing. You know, no mm-hmm. fear going into a, a game where it's, you know, they haven't played for a, a few days now and they'll be going, oh, is this an omen time? They've, they've come from fifth all the way and, you know, they're playing on confidence. So, you know, it's going to be a great game. Yeah, I mean, you're right. The belief has got to be there. To lose your four players to this test tour of India and come out and, and perform and make it seven from eight. Uh, we all know the tough start to the series. It's uh, They're living the dream, these kids of yours at the moment. 
Yeah, they are, mate. They're, they're, they're riding a bit of a wave and just enjoying themselves and, you know, sticking to the plans that are put in place by Chuck and, you know, all the coaching staff are just trying to get them to play a certain way. And we've done that, to be fair, all year. We've had some close games early on in the year which could have gone either way and we would have finished higher on the table. So, you know, it's come together at the right end for us and mm. now it's one more game. Sort of feels like a TSS boarding house in there, doesn't it? Are they starting to you know, click up, the TSS boys? <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of a Gold Coast click. Maxie Bryant's standing next to me, so you know, I can't speak too loudly about the Gold Coast boys. But, yeah, there's a very, very Gold Coast feel about the side at the moment. Good stuff. Hey, it was thrilling viewing last night. It's been thrilling on this run of yours. Seven of the last eight. You've got one left. It is a fair hurdle. It's the Scorchers in Perth, but you'll have the state riveted tomorrow night. Hey, hey Buffett, just before well, you go, it, I don't know whether Pat, yeah. Paddy's run out of time. Talk us through the toss, mate, and your theory about a toss. Yesterday, Sydney won the bat flip and chose to bat. But, and yeah, I, and you, yeah. you think they made that wicket purposely for them, didn't it, don't you? Yeah, I was well, certainly sure to them. I, I, I wouldn't have a toss in any game of cricket. Uh, you know, mm. just let the away team to choose. It doesn't worry me the toss. Uh, I think it's outdated and just get rid of it. But that's I've been saying that for years, Heels, as you know. So, but more importantly, Heels, I've got one for you uh, and yes. your listeners. There, we had our fines night last night, and because you were in the rooms, you actually got fined. So you'll be getting a bill uh, from uh, uh, our fines chairman and master. Um, so just be prepared for that to come across, and make sure you got some cash on you. So, Righto. so what isn't who is the fines chairman for a start, and how come the chairman of the whole lot gets fined for going down to congratulate the players? <laughs> well, that's right, Paddy. Sorry, but I am the fines chairman, so I'll just find the chairman when I can. Uh, that's what happens. Heels knows that's how it works, so we're pretty happy with that. But it wasn't too bad at Heels. It was only a couple of hundred, so you'll be right. Make sure you bring your cash with you. Oh, oh well, you won't be able to come to lunch today, Heels. You're out. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll have to pace hey, myself, Paddy. Brilliant to talk to you, mate. Thanks for giving us your time. I know you're about to jump on a plane and get west, and uh, as I said, you're going to have the whole state supporting you tomorrow night. Good luck, yeah, well, thanks. thanks, boys, and thanks to all the listeners. Thank you. Well, I wish we'd had him there last night, SEN's BBL expert, Michael Casper. It's because uh, from what we're hearing, they uh, <laughs> they were all on the Sydney Sixers' side on the commentary last night, and finally we had the last laugh. Casper, good morning to you. Morning, Pat. How are you? Good. Look, at some stage I will bring up India, so I'm just giving you a little bit of uh, preparation there. But, uh, hey, last night, you'd be like us, just absolutely overjoyed with what the Heat uh, pulled off. Oh, outstanding. And obviously when you know the bloke and players, but also the coaches, a couple of good mates of mine. Um, yeah, it was just... Look, yeah, it, was, it had everything, didn't it? You know, low-scoring matches. Um, who says who says that can't be exciting? Yeah, no, nah, it's exactly right, Casper. It's the it's the contest, isn't it? Not only between bat and ball, but on the scoreboard, and uh, people will love it. Uh, and our former players are going off, aren't they? On the on the WhatsApp, it's brilliant to sure see are. such enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that, that's it. It's um, oh look, you know, I know that, that fans are passionate um, about the cricket that goes on, but I tell you what, from a from a player's point of view, um, let us loose and uh, um, it goes to another level. It was just yeah. um, it was just great to see the way they, they got home in the end there and um, it finished um, the absolutely right way. I'll take you right back to the start. Um, the bowling quality must have impressed you. Yeah, the, I think we've seen that and I'll call it momentum and all the rest of that sort of stuff, but their plans, I think they're really well executed and that's you know, they came into that game and then obviously with that pitch, um, what was prepared, they sort of, you know, adapted, which doesn't take, uh, which is always not easy and certainly in the amount of time we got to do that in the 2020. But I think you've seen that. Um, you know, it's the fact that, you know, Messer got obviously two wickets. He always does. He finished, I think, with, oh, he's finished 25 wickets or something for the season. Mm. Um, Spencer Johnson also, three for 28. Hasn't he been great to watch? And even when we were, I remember commentating a couple of those games, and because he, he looks young, you sort of feel like, oh, this young fella, he's 27 yeah. year old. Mm. <laughs> he, he, so he knows his game. That's the, the, that's been the benefit, I think, rather than sort of taking a punt and a young bloke and see how they go. Even though he's been through, you know, club cricket in Adelaide, been through you know, Australian under-19s, all that sort of stuff, had injuries, overlooked, of course, down in down south, but to give an opportunity here, geez, we paid it.
Yeah, and Hales has brought this up a couple of times. It's And this would probably irk you as a fast bowler. It's effortless <laughs> speed, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't look like he's he's trying to bowl fast. No, no. There's, there's something, I think, um, talking to Andy Bickle, if you want to get real tactical, he loves that. Um, it's his sort of locked front leg that will get to generate a lot of pace. But as you said, it looks looks easy, which is absolutely what you want from your best players. Geez, he tried a few things that came off last night. He tried to bounce up and, and he got it perfectly placed and he got a false pull shot played to it. He bowled a wide one and he got that. and He, he was very happy the way things were going for him. So, so yeah, I, I like that. And then our spinners, Crab, I, you, you know, Kuhneman's change of trajectory and speed last night was ideal for that wicket and McSweeney did a great job. Four overs for 21. Yeah, and I think that's, we use the word sort of adapting to the conditions and obviously situation um, is the key. And Matty Kuhneman has been outstanding all year. Uh, he played every game. He, look, outstanding. I know in the team, he's a, a good, great energy amongst the players. Um, in the field, you see him. He's actually, he's a, he's a dark horse out there. He's sort of in a sweeping position there. He's speed across the ground. And yeah. He's been out there, but just in his wicket, every time he comes on the bowl, he's always picking up a wicket, which is just ideal. Last night, three for 17 off your four overs, off your 16 deliveries. Brilliant. Hey, and we've got to worry with our top order. There was just a couple of little instants of panic, I thought, there last night when all we needed to go at, at was a runner ball. Um, well, that's just traditional batsman, isn't it? You just got to make <laughs> oh, okay. it. Right? You, you open that door for him, Paddy. I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put the chin out. Got, um, and, well, I guess if, you know, it's pointless getting um, Michael Nestor open the innings. Uh, um, but how good was he? It was just, yeah. it was perfect. It was perfect way his what he did, how he did it. And I'm sure that all the batsmen sit back whilst busy celebrating, of course, um, going to reflect about the, the, the crap shot they played. Yeah. yeah, well, I'm I'm happy with uh, two of our shots. Uh, um, jo- Josh Brown sort of stepped away and gave himself a little bit of a room to try to hit heave something over cover. I, I wish he had stayed still. He would have got that shot played better. The run out of Sam Hazlitt, careless, and he's not known for his careless play. Jimmy Pearson played across the line to the spin of Stephen O'Keefe. That's not on. Um, but Sam, uh, Maxie Bryant getting caught down the ground, I didn't mind that because he's good at that shot and that's yeah. where you should be playing on that wicket. It, it, it was quite an Indian wicket, Casper, wasn't it? It was, wasn't it? Um, and immediately, that, you know, that, you know, it just hits straight down the ground and with a low score like that, you know, your, your boundaries will come if you just keep, I know it's easy in theory, but just keep punching the one, punching the one, and then something will happen. Um, of which, you know, Michael Nessa, you know, showed to everyone, like 48 runs off his 32 balls. Oh. Looked like he was playing on a different wicket. Yep. There were seven fours. He had seven fours. Um, New South Wales, the whole team only hit seven fours. That's exactly yeah. right, yeah. The sixes managed seven fours. And, you know, we threw in a couple of sixes Sorry, six. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's how, you... that's how valuable Brownie was to get, a sock, Stephen O'Keefe away for two sixes down the ground. He hit two sixes and a four in twenty runs. Like that, that was yep. that was handy. Just a little bit longer, please, Brownie, and we're home. Yeah, I well, know, <laughs> I know. But um, look, I think for oh, for for the, the heat for the season that they've had, where you know it was sort of humbled start and then just momentum. And I know even with the the games, I was fortunate enough to. Commentate on SEN. Big um, mm-hmm. Nation was fantastic. Really enjoyed it, and it was home games. The home games. There was something about them where, yeah, they're really excited. Um, the crowd, they loved it. And, if you like, made it a bit of a fortress, winning all mm. the games at the Gabba. Now you knew that I was never going to let you go without some talk of India because you're one of those rare Australian Test cricketers who actually <laughs> left India with a trophy. It was a little while yep. ago now. Have we got the right attack? Have we got the right balance? to beat India in this series? I, I do think so, yes. Um, without bowlers, uh, um, without fast bowlers are exceptional. And I think it's with their their ability to adapt, like I said, Bennett, and some adjust to those conditions. Um, also, spinners, I think, Nathan Lyon, of course. Look, spin traditionally hasn't been super effective in India against the best players of spin in the world on their home conditions. Mm. Um, 
But having said that, I think, you know, we've got the options there from, you know, uh, Bobshi Swepson, the leg spinner, and then we've got AR to left arm orthodox. So there's some options there on the surfaces that will that will turn. And, you know, you have to, if you like, play, you know, spinners through there. But even even if you play your three quicks, which I think, assuming everyone's fit and all that, I realise you've got Cameron Green. Um, but if you play your three quicks, you've still got a Travis Head come in and, yes, you know, yeah. off spin. Now, it is those sort of options within the team. So it's such a, well, I hate using the word balanced um, lineup. but the other thing I reckon, Paddy, the reason why they'll go really well is that India uh, isn't, it's just a challenge. Don't take that. It's absolutely a massive challenge playing over there. But um, it's not a mystery for them. It's familiar because they've all been there. They've played over there with the Australian team before or even on Australian A tours. We're sort of, Travelling over there and exposing all our players when they're younger, even to the conditions. I'm sure a couple of played 2020. That's a bit different, but even just um, off the field, you know, it's, it's crazy, it's nuts how different India is. Um, not just the food, everything else around it. I just think that the, the players now they've been exposed to it, and as I said, you know, they're familiar with it, and they'll be fine. They'll have their um, okay. they'll have their. Um, they, they took Pakistan. And I think it's in that series, too, the, the test where they got the, the golf, the uh, indoor golf um, Yeah, the, the, simulator. the simulator. They've got that again. Yeah. Oh, mate, they've got all the, all the toys. They'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, they've taken <laughs> the, chef, the chef and the golf simulator. <laughs> two, of the, oh, two of the essentials when you travel. Just before your time, we bowled wide of off in India. In your winning series, you bowled straighter at the Indians and set a field for that, didn't you? What, do you want to see that yeah, again? Yeah, oh, look, I do. And it's on the pitch, of course. Um, but that's what we did, Heels, for so long. And that's why this team, Australian team, was so successful, is you know, short length outside stump and build pressure on the batsmen. Um, we tried that in 98, um, when all the other fast bowls were conveniently injured. <laughs> and I'm going there with you, Heels. Um, and 2001, when same deal, we had everyone on deck, and you know, and then all of a sudden we lost the series, um, after, you know, over there after winning 16 consecutive Test matches, mm-hmm. and that was the thing going there in 2004. Just I remember with Dizzy on the plane over, and I just sort of said to him, I said, mate, having played three years uh, at Glamorgan County Cricket, which is a pretty low, slow wicket down there in Wales, it was when I played. I just sort of said to him, I said, Reid, we've got to do this different. I reckon we've got to go straighter. And I'm not saying, you know, leg stump, but just go bowler off stump, top of off, if you like, or, you know, sort of straighter. But the key was actually setting the right field. And when I say that, for the group followers out there, they'll get a real understanding of having two men back on the hook. So you've got your five legs back, and but your deep backward square that we normally play is actually forward a square. Then you'd have a short catching mid-wicket, um, and then maybe, you know, sort of deeper, sort of mid-on, a bit straighter. Mm. So that straight line, what was happening, by instinct, the Indian players thought, hang on a tick here, I've got to adjust. They had to do the adapting on their own conditions because what normally meant that, you know, they just, you know, get inside the line and just flick it to the leg side and they pick up a boundary if it gets past mid-wicket or square, you know, square leg fielder, all of a sudden, there's a catcher. Yeah. But that's fine. If you get a pass, we've got a bloke back on the fence. Whilst we're trying to bounce you, force you on the back foot to trap you for an LBW um, on, the, on the stump. So those little things we did, obviously the execution was the key, but that's what was actually worked really well. McGrath, um, Gillespie, um, and also warning. But having said that, then we went to Nagpur and got the series where it was a totally different wicket. It was well, um, yeah, more Australian, if you like, so then we did... Yeah. I hope we can follow in your footsteps. We've got to get to the news, Casper, but mate, really appreciate the intel and really appreciate the celebrations of another great heat victory. We've got one more in us, and that'll be tomorrow night. Thank you, Michael Casper. It's back after the news. As we reported yesterday morning, massive news in the world of NFL. Tom Brady, for the second time, announcing his farewell to the sport. We've tracked down a, a guy that spent a, a lot of time in the in the Tom Brady career from the New England Patriots. Uh, Bob Sosi, thank you very much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Pat and Ian. It's good to be with you, gentlemen. So, Bob, how did this news go down? Was it a, a shock to you? You know, it was not a shock, uh, although, of course, we've been through this before, Tom announcing his retirement this week exactly a year after he announced his retirement last year. 
but I think that this one uh, resonates a lot more, and I think that we're convinced that this is it because of the way that he did it. You know, last mm. year it was reported by Adam Schefter, a prominent American football reporter for ESPN, which is our leading sports network here. And then Tom Brady followed up a couple of days later and never used the word retire. Well, on uh, Wednesday morning, he apparently got up, went out to the beach, and recorded by himself into his uh, smartphone, if you will, uh, that, that he's retiring. And he got right to the point. It was heartfelt. He's been through a very trying year personally, as well as uh, really for the first time, I think, in a long stretch uh, for, on the field physically. Uh, so I think th- this, I can't say it's a shock. It, it, it certainly uh, is, I think, you know, a decision he's made that some people will question only because there is still a strong sentiment and still plenty of evidence that even at 45, if Tom Brady wanted to play somewhere in the NFL next year, he would have multiple suitors and still could play at a championship level. He's got a wonderful broadcasting suitor, Bob. And do you think doing it on the beach by himself, it could have been done better with the the new broadcaster that he's probably going to move to? (laughs) Well, he's certainly being paid a lot uh, in in his (laughs) next uh, career as a broadcaster. Although he's been paid a lot for for all of his his ventures in life, including football and, of course, his his endorsements and whatnot. Uh, You know, I think it was... It was interesting because it was it was a Spartan announcement. You know, Tom has this very slick, very polished, very experienced uh, public relations team, and he has his own production company, and he has a very close relationship with the filmmaker Gotham Chopra, and has produced a couple of documentary yes. series uh, on on streaming services here in, in the United States, and probably been seen, I'm sure, by by many fans in, in Australia because there is a, a strong base of Patriot fans. Uh, down under, I know. And in, in, in Tom's case yesterday, again, it was, it was just Tom and his phone. And, you know, I, it's going to be interesting to see how he adapts to the broadcast booth and more so just the lifestyle of a broadcaster. He, I certainly think he's more than capable of doing a, a wonderful job. Mm. But as competitive as he was on the field, I wonder how it's going to translate now uh, with that competitive nature of his to watching games from a broadcast booth and also just the lifestyle of being a broadcaster because, for example, if you come to our stadium and you walk to the television booth, you have to walk through the stands. I find it hard to believe that if Tom comes to Foxborough, he's going to be able to make it to the booth in time uh, without a security army. <laughs> you know, so he's, he's, he's such a big celebrity, especially uh, we have a big, small city, if you will. Yeah, uh, sure. This is not New York or Los Angeles. It's not Sydney. Boston is a small town in a lot of ways. And Tom Brady is such a larger-than-life figure here. I know he left, but he won six of the Super Bowls with the with the Patriots. I mean, how how dearly loved is he in your city? Well, I, I think you know he he is someone who who is seen as one of the four or five most important sports figures, and and maybe uh, in, at least in in modern times, uh, in uh, citizens of of this region uh, because of his impact on football in New England. Uh, there, there's a, a cliche because of Mount Rushmore, uh, which, which, of course, is, a, is, a, mm. is a, an iconic uh, landmark in the United States. And we always tend to say in my business, our, our business here, oh, well, who's on your Mount Rushmore of great sports stars? And in New England, Tom Brady is probably today the first name that's mentioned. And, and there's been a long list of, of, of larger-than-life figures here, Bill Russell from basketball, Bobby Orr, who played ice hockey, of course, Ted Williams, David Ortiz, the great baseball players in Boston. But Tom Brady's at the top of the list. And you know, when you think about how passionate fans are in our region, you know, there's a, 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 a kind of, I don't want to say it's a big brother, uh, little brother relationship between New York and Boston uh, through the years, but there's a great rivalry. And New England has dominated uh, in, in the last two decades in all sports, but especially in football. And the one man most responsible is Tom Brady. And so much of the identity here is attached to that. Now, even though Boston people mightn't realise there's a Super Bowl going on or about to go on uh, with the retirement of Brady, how how do these two teams in the Super Bowl match up for you? Well, I think it's going to be a fantastic game. Of course, that 
that goes without saying, I suppose, because we've been treated to so many great Super Bowls, and it should be a fantastic game. Uh, I, I think the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, because of their defense, go into this game with a slight advantage, as well as the status of Patrick Mahomes, who, who was so uh, 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 really – I, I don't know how to how to phrase it properly. I, I, I marvel at him all the time when I watch him play for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, but in, in terms of his will, uh, playing basically on one healthy mm. ankle, uh, hobbling around really on one leg and doing what he did against Cincinnati, and in particular setting up the game-winning score with his legs running, escaping pressure. Uh, it, he, he's a dazzling magnetic player to watch he has certainly some great teammates around him but the Chiefs are injured on offense Mahomes didn't face the kind of pressure in terms of pass rushers people from the defense affecting him from Cincinnati that I think he's going to have to face on a continual basis versus Philadelphia so I think that does give Philadelphia the advantage I think the Chiefs have the better offense when healthy but I think in this case Philadelphia is the better all-around team and because of its defense in particular, its defensive linemen. And the best lesson, the best examples of that on a Super Bowl stage are one of the, are, are either of the two times the New York Giants beat the New England Patriots. Two of the rare losses for Tom Brady in that kind of a situation because the New York Giants in Super Bowl 42 and in Super Bowl 46 were able to continually harass Tom Brady, put a lot of pressure on him as the quarterback, hid him, whether they sacked him before he threw the ball or they at least made contact right after he released the football, they sent their message and they had an impact physically. And I think Philadelphia can do that with Mahomes in this game. Yes, yeah, obviously with Jordan Malata there from an Australian point of view, we've, uh, we've got yeah. big interest in this match. Hey, Bob, we really appreciate it, your time. I know you're pressed for time today and uh, it's just wonderful to get a, a perspective on, uh, regardless of w- what country he's from, one of the greatest sportsmen of all time. Absolutely. Gentlemen, it's been great to be with you, and uh, I look forward to uh, catching up again <laughs> sometime whenever the need yeah. calls. Yeah, for Thanks, sure. Bob. Thanks, Bob. Take really care. appreciate Thank it. You. Thanks a lot. Karawa is where the world's finest iron men and iron women will be, and we've got one of our greatest ever. Matt Bevilacqua is joining us on the phone today. He's right in contention for another Nutri-Grain Championship. He's running third at the moment behind Ben Carberry and Ali Day. Matt, good morning to you. It's a, it's a tense weekend coming up. Good morning, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it is it is pretty tense um, sitting here in Mermaid Beach on the Gold Coast at the moment. So it's <laughs> nice to be at home and, um, you know, it's a nervous couple of rounds. But, you know, it's so good to just be contesting this weekend at home. It feels good. Now, we've got a whole heap of different formats through this series, but this weekend it's called The Specialist. Talk us through what happens in The Specialist. <clears throat> So the specialist is where we break up the Ironman race and we have like the four separate individual races that make up an Ironman. So you've mm-hmm. obviously got your paddle boarding, your ski paddling, your swim and your run. And we break them up into five, five minute races of just the individual disciplines. So it's, um, it's quite fast paced. It's really good to watch. Um, it's tough because there's 20 awesome guys, um, some really talented guys at each discipline. So, um, and then we have a pursuit style Ironman race. Once we've done those, um, individual races as a handicap style. So it's still decided with an Ironman at the end of the day. And then on Sunday, we do an eliminator format. So three Ironmans, um, back five drop out each time. And, um, yeah, the guys contested in that last race for the for the overall win of that round. And, and yeah, lots of um, close points up for grabs to um, decide the champ at the end of Sunday. Yeah, you know, the iron races on the Sunday, the 12-minute ones, does it matter mm. too much to you to change the order? You know, the first one's ski, swim, board, then board, ski, swim, then swim, board, ski. Um, you're okay with all those sort of combos? Yeah, it's, it's a tough sport in that, like, not like triathlon where we have a straight set order, you know, it mixes up and, and we're also racing at 0.2 metres of low tide. Um, it's going to be different surf, you know. We just have so many things you've got to adapt to in this sport and, that's what makes it so unique and so exciting to watch. But, yeah, like, a, definitely not, not anything new. Um, I kind of don't really care about the orders. You have to be so strong at each discipline. You have to be really fast at each discipline, too, to, to make sure you can get out in front in those Eliminator-style races because that's where the race is kind of won. You need to get out the front, control the race from the front, and um, just be a little bit fresher in that last race. 
Oh, a little bit fresher. What about the local knowledge? <laughs> you know, Ben Carberry from Burley Heads, Ali from Surface Paradise, and you from uh, Northcliffe, formerly Carraway. You know, any advantage there of your experience? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I spent six years at Carraway Surf Club, and um, yeah, that's where we're racing over the weekend. But you know, it's it's more the it's kind of the conditions that will decide the winner on the day. And we're going, like I said, we're going to have a big low tide. The, the transition has to be set at the high tide mark, obviously, on the beach. So it's going to be a runner's race. And um, myself mm-hmm. and Ali um, fought out the call and got a gold in October um, over four hours. So I think our legs hopefully will be all right. You never know with legs. You can come out and they can be feeling shocking. So hopefully tomorrow they're feeling good. And, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how we go. I was going to ask you about that, Matt. Are you actually sick and tired of the sight of Ali Day? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I remember when I left Tassie um, when I was 18, like 12 years ago, and he was already at the top of the sport, and I've kind of climbed my way to the top, and he's still there. So, But it's a, it's a good challenge, mate, and, um, yeah, he's definitely beatable and has been before, and, uh, like, yeah, it's just um, a good challenge, mate, and it's exciting to watch, you know. Click it on, SBS, Fox Sports, and... Um, and we'll see what goes down. But, um, yeah, don't shy away from a challenge, mate. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Good, good on you, mate. You've had, you've had a bit of everything too, haven't you? Maroubra was big surf, wasn't it? And Manly was round one and two. Maroubra one and uh, three and four. Um, and different yeah, conditions yeah, so far in the series? Yeah, it's been fantastic. Last year's series was really diverse as well. That's what we want. You know, you're kind of really diverse, you know, true champion in that way. And, yeah, Manly had some big swell. The first couple of days were solid and... Um, it was probably the only beach contestable, actually, that weekend because there was a huge storm that was ripping through. And then Maribor was really tricky, kind of, um, as Maribor always is, really wish-washy and, um, you know, little swell. And, and yeah, Curra was just going to be, um, as it always is, there'll be a little wave with low tide. So it's, it's three different locations, you know, um, spread, spread across both states. And, yeah, it's going to be great. So, um, yeah, it's been a good series. Hey, Matt, you've got to give a, uh, a rap to your teammate, uh, Georgia Miller. She's been brilliant so far. She's got a nice lead in the women's, 78 points to Lizzie Wellborn on 72. That's a, that's a good buffer coming into the final round. Yeah, she's been incredible. Um, honestly, she's taken the series by stranglehold, really. Um, almost won all races or been involved in the run up the beach every single race, which is quite incredible given the, the depth of talent in the women's um, race at the moment. It's, 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 it truly is the, the best the sport's ever seen in the girls for sure. And, um, she's just blown them away, which is which is impressive. She's her swim is just so strong and um, legs are good. So I reckon, yeah, the low tide will suit her this weekend. She should be able to run away with it. Yeah, a man okay. of the ocean, you'd be appreciating what's happening over in Pipeline as well. We know the surf hasn't been great, but uh, Steph Gilmore, she's under the pump here. She's in the eliminator. There's only eight minutes to go, and she's still trailing by a point to uh, Simmons. So. Uh, Caitlin Simmers, the American. So it's a, under pressure, the eight-time world champ. But uh, you'd follow their careers, I would imagine, mate, as well? Oh, with keen interest, yeah. I had my feet up on the couch resting yesterday, watching most of the day. And um, Jack and Callum um, went really well, got through. So avoided that elimination round, which is good. So, um, yeah, watch the boys. And, yeah, hopefully Steph can get through this one. It'd be good to see her, um, you know, make that finals again. You never know. She's capable of miracles, that girl. She's incredible to watch. Yeah, she is. Yeah, good. I don't want to go too... F- I'm going to yeah. get ahead of the Iron Series, mate. But what's after What's after that for you guys? Um, so I, I don't like to um, sit around too much. We've got Australian titles over in Perth, so I'll put on the yep. BMD Northcliffe cap and, um, yeah, we'll head over there and try and win another Australian title club for them. And um, the off-season, I head over to Hawaii. So um, I've done the paddleboard race Molokai to Oahu the last few years before COVID and I'm going to have to contest the ski race this time so um, no no man's ever done it um, it's won both the races so I'll yeah 52k's on the ski will be after Aussies and yeah, non-stop from there back into the cool and got a gold <laughs> <laughs> it is frantic for you Hey, well done so far. You're sitting in third. You can certainly win this series. You've won it before. You've won cool and got a gold before. You're a five-time world champ. There's not much you haven't done. Uh, you and Ali Day and Ben Carberry uh, head-to-head over the weekend. We can't wait. Thanks, Matt. Cheers, Pat. Thanks, mate. Should be a good show. Yep. Thanks, Matty Bevelacqua there uh, from Northcliffe. And his teammate, Georgia Miller, uh, is leading in the women's... Broadcasting live from SCNQ headquarters in the heart of Fortitude Valley. This is Pat Welsh and Ian Healy for breakfast. Queensland made.
on SENQ 693 AM. Don't forget the Brighton Homes open line is open, 13 13 55. Brighton, they're locking in your price now until 2024, giving you the confidence to build your dream home today. And if you want to text us, 0467 736 736. Got a, quite a few texts this morning. Uh, is it worth opening with Bright and Brown against the Scorchers? Uh, go hell for leather early, and if that fails, rebuild in the middle order with the accumulators. That's from Oscar in the Valley. I think um, I think Max Bryant is settling okay at six. And as I said before, Sam Hazlitt is more than capable to play with aggression like he's been sent out to do, I'd say. He, he just wanted to hit big shots last night. So no, don't have to be over-reckless, but if you've got the general intent to hit a ball, if the ball's there, you hit it harder than you might have normally. He's he's good enough to do that. I, I quite like the order. Hayne and McSweeney to hold it together, work it around. Um, and Pearson and, and Bryant before we hit um, Neza and Baisley. So, you know, before it was Grant, I think he said, are we a genuine chance? And I sort of said, oh, I don't know about genuine. I, I thought he meant um, a favourite type chance, I think. Mm. Oh, because, because I'm 40-60, as I said, that which makes it a genuine chance. I, I sort of just said we're a chance. But, no, I think we're... We're genuine, and and the more I look at the the Perth lineup and think about a couple of their uh, withdrawals and injuries, maybe we can put some pressure on those that bowling attack of theirs. Mm. Hey, just quickly, I don't know which way you're going with your gloves off this morning, but uh, uh, I thought I might just uh, mention the boxing. We t- said yesterday that Justice Hooney had split with Dean Lonergan uh, over the, and it hasn't been a nasty split at all, but it's simply a business decision. Um, Dean and, and Fox had a falling out or Fox went their own way um, and Justice Hooney has signed with Eddie Hearn who we've had on the big England um, matchmaker he's, uh, his stable is Matchroom and uh, so he's got his heavyweight championship dreams now in the hands of Eddie Hearn this global matchmaker From very young age, since I was like I started boxing, 7, 8 years old um, watching Mike Tyson with all the belts yeah, so, I mean, he has his dreams and maybe on the dreams of Dempsey McKean, who's ranked in the top 10 WO, WBO, and he could be having a fight against Anthony Joshua. He's another Aussie, uh, Dempsey McKean. Uh, they're talking that maybe in April he could be up against Anthony Joshua in England. Both chasing the same thing, and he's at a stage now where he's getting closer to it, and um, I'm just making my way up. So, you know, if we meet one day, I think it'll be good for... Um, Australian boxing. Be great yeah, I hope Justice. Oh, that'll be huge. I just hope he he sort of settles a bit um, and he gets a bit more convincing about his way up. Jeez, he's had some turmoil, hasn't he? The, mm. the Olympic fracas, the uh, broken hand, and the injury at the wrong time. Now a management split. You know, you're not on the way up for long. It goes really quick, so I just think he needs to settle and win some fights and, and get convinced. Yeah, there's been plenty of, uh, you're right, there's been plenty of turmoil out of the ring. Uh, let's hope he can get back into the ring shortly. And uh, maybe a fight with Dempsey McKean, it, it would be a blockbuster in Australia. But, uh, McKean, as I said, ranked inside the top 10 WBO. And Justice Hooney, at such a young age, ranked 14 and the WBO and the heavyweights. Mm. Um, but the, the big, big money to be made if they can keep on their winning ways for both of them. Uh, now, what have you got in your mind, Heels? Now on Breakfast with Pat and Heels, Heels gets his gloves off. Well, on the plane yesterday, I had a chance uh, to read through those coaches and assistant coaches' survey responses to the NRL. Mm-hmm. And I thought... Is this pre-season a chance to eliminate the worst rules as the coaches see them? Um, And for the NRL to demonstrate a willingness to listen and do, even though they don't want to uh, tamper with the rules too much this year, but I think they can get rid of the obviously bad ones. And it's a good test for the um, nimbleness of the NRL to see what they do pre-season and in these pre-season trials, or are they going to do the normal and uh, trial them in some other leagues first and then bring them into the NRL later on? So when you hear conceding seven tackles for an error in the process of scoring is just archaic, and there were some more expletives than that. Um, so 
So you should do something immediately about that one. If you're trying to score a try and you happen to uh, make a mistake, you you shouldn't get a a seven set against you. I think that's easy to fix. Uh, will they be nimble enough? The more freedom to critique the performances of referees. Now, that's a that's a more difficult one because you need some real guidelines for the for the coaches to stay within. I reckon when they're allowed a, a freer speech against or critiquing, not against the the performance of some referees. That's another one. Seven tackles for propelling the ball over a defender's dead ball line. You know they they're saying that that just should be taken back to six. They some of them want golden point to change to golden try. You know that's one that can trial and just see how much fatigue kicks in and how easy tries are able to be scored in in extra time. Um, no interchanges, just four reserves. That's an interesting one, Paddy. Eh? Mm. So just go back to four reserves and we'll use them how we like. Um, obstruction to be assessed. No penalty goals has been mentioned. Very interesting. And I think this one's really harsh. That ball stripping should be the carrier's responsibility. I think that's a little bit tough because when you get three big blokes all over you muscling you around and one of them goes in for the ball, you've got a lot as a ball carrier to concern yourself with. So I don't really agree with that, but that doesn't matter. That's, that's one that, you know, so... I just, I just think, as as we can see, some some could be immediate, some could be tested out. So bring it back to the essence of why we play this game, and if a current rule goes against that reason and the, the essence of why we're playing, then then dismiss it and get rid of it. Do you think it could be done, everyone? Um, that this close to trials or the season, or will they do it uh, later on in in uh, you know twenty twenty four maybe? Let us know what you think. That's right, 131355, the Brighton Homes open line or text line 0467 736 736. Speaking of uh, league, Tyson Smoothie spoke yesterday, Hounds, comes out of the Melbourne system and throwing his hand up uh, for a job down there in the number nine jersey where the competition is pretty hot at the Bronx. Mm. So uh, he'll be involved in the first trial. That's against Wynnum tomorrow night. Obviously going to be the first time playing in this jersey as a, in the first grade side. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All the boys had a big pre-season, so um, it's finally good to play some footy. Well, he's used to fighting for the number nine jersey. He comes, he comes from a club where Harry Grant had uh, a mortgage on it. So here he is fighting for the nine jersey. That's obviously my goal this year, um, to get a few games under my belt again. Um, obviously at a new club, I'm just trying to impress early. I'm just going to try and play my best footy going back to Wynnum. Um, and whatever happens, happens. If I get an opportunity, I'll make the most of it. I think he's going to pay a half each. Half for Wynnum, right. half for the Bronx. Um, oh, is he really? Yeah, but he, he learnt plenty at the Storm, he said. Yeah, it was, it was more the coaching staff, I reckon. Um, they just have such a high standard there, and um, all the boys know what's expected when going to training and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I was pretty much picking everyone's brain when I was there. And, yeah, obviously Harry's a, a very good player, and I try to learn as much off him as I could, but... Yeah, it's more the coaching stuff. Well, it's very handy to have that Melbourne Storm structure in your ranks. Yeah. For sure. And that's what we talked about yesterday, wasn't it? Melbourne Storm, what they need to do now. And I, and I sort of said they've got to make sure that any new entrants to the Melbourne Storm get re-educated and, and totally educated. And I think they can probably do it to the, the whole group. Just, you know, revisit how we do things at the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, exactly right. So you've got Tyson Smith, you've got Corey Pakes, who's just been re-signed, you've got Billy Walters, and you've got this uh, this youngster, Blake Moser, who they've got massive raps on. Um, mm. Whether we'll get to see too much football heels, um, I don't know. I mean, this whole CBA debate, which we haven't spent a whole heap of time on, because I think us, like our listeners out there, just expect it to be sorted at some stage in the very near future. Mm. Uh, and you've always said that you don't think there's a whole heap of you know, things that need to be resolved. You, you, you think that it should be an easy fix after what you've seen through cricket. But yeah, I tell if, you what... If, the... every, if each side of, likes football, if you really respect the game, you'll get it sorted. The players, you've got to compromise here and there. You can't just keep pushing forwards for what you want because the the big picture of the game is bigger than the NRL. There's juniors, there's grassroots, there's volunteers, there's, you know, developing all of that and, and a developing an elite pathway. 
that needs to be funded. So you have to compromise along the way. And to the NRL, if you don't respect the player group, you don't respect the game. Yeah, well, and I know you do. So get to the table, work seven days straight, and you'd have, I'll say three days straight, and you'd knock these things over. Yeah, Kurt Capewell, he was saying that the NRL have failed to make a sincere effort to listen to the players. Now, Andrew Abdo just fiercely rejected that notion this week. But, look, it, it, it doesn't seem like we're close to getting this thing sorted. And, mm. you know, is strike action a possibility? It, it seems that that's one of the... the Strings to their bow, if necessary. I know no yeah. one wants to see it, most of all the fans. But as, as I said yesterday, you can organise a strike action claim. You can say, right, we're going to play the first three rounds, but from rounds four, if, if four onwards, if we don't have enough constructive talk and work this week, i.e. this week, if that doesn't happen, we're striking on whatever, whenever you want to make it. You know when, so you pl- the players could, should play their trials, so they're ready to go. Uh, but um, you know, from round four, we're going to strike, and they'll come to the table. They have to get it sorted. Mm-hmm. Hey, a bit of news coming from uh, the Liam Wilson camp about the weigh-in this morning. I'll, I'll, What's I'll, I'll, I'll give you details of that after Is he heavy? after we hear the latest traffic. Breakfast with Pat and Heels on six nine three SENQ. Traffic and weather together. There's a single car crash at Alderley this morning. That's on Raymont Road, blocking all lanes and affecting both directions as well. So big delays around Alderley this morning. There's also a broken down vehicle at McGregor. That's affecting Kessels Road eastbound towards Mount Gravatt. Traffic also starting to build into quite heavy congestion on all the usual majors. Today's forecast for Brisbane. We have a partly cloudy day with a possible shower and thunderstorm heading for a top of 35 degrees, much the same over the weekend. Hot and humid temperatures continuing. Right now, it's 29 degrees. As mentioned, the women are in the water. The uh, first round heats uh, at the Pipeline Pro. So Steph Gilmore in a little bit of trouble early. Finished last in her three-woman three, uh, three woman heat and will have to go into the elimination round, as will Isabella Nichols. Sally Fitzgibbons won her heat straight through to the third round. And we've got our heat in the water featuring Tyler Wright and Molly Picklam. So we'll keep you an eye on that one. Right at the moment, though, Queensland is your place to race this year. Queensland is racing. The action continues this week across the Sunshine State. Visit racingqueensland.com.au. Just a quick mention before we go to Chris Nelson. The fave getting the money last night. Um, hello, Mike, in the gold, bull, gold bullion. $250,000 to the winner. So uh, oh. that's huge money, Heels. We spoke about Hello Mike yesterday. Yes. Um, and the trainer, Elson. Elson? Yeah, like, Travis um, Elson, who's, who's getting the, that done. Yeah. Yeah, one of the, the blossoming young trainers. And we, we know, we heard yesterday the story about his dad not feeling all that well. So a huge boost for the family. Uh, storming home. It was a dramatic finish, catching times three and JSJ. So well done to the team involved with Hello Mike. Now, Chris Nelson, a very good morning to you. You're on the way down the highway as usual this time on a Friday morning. I am, and it's a a good run. Good morning to you, Paddy. Good morning, Heels. Now, just uh, before we talk racing, Paddy, Mm -hmm. of all the sports you've covered, and it's been well documented this week, have you covered surfing? Oh, yes, in the early days a lot. The Stubbies Pro it was at Burley Heads. (laughs) Yeah, he used to spend the week down there. That was... That, that was another delight. That uh, the surfing at the at the Stubbies Pro at Burley Heads, and the uh, Hamilton Island Yacht Race Week. They were two of the uh, the highlights in Queensland. Uh, yeah, and he he probably called it from the top of he probably called it from the top of Oscar's Seafood <laughs> Restaurant in the pavilions there. Yes, <laughs> there was another raw. Uh, I give too. up heels. I'm trying to find a sport that Paddy didn't cover. Well, there we one. should find it, and he'll get in the, his commentary in such early years, just coming from Bundaberg, was oh look at this big one. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other one, the other rort was the uh, the Pacific 1000 powerboat race. <laughs> We'd start up in Cairns and just oh, slowly God. wend our way down the coast. That was, yeah. it was beautiful. Following a, Stefan. Uh, how tough's yeah. that? Hey, now, we better get a couple of tips. <laughs> how hot is it if you had to live in a okay. stable right. in the last week, please, Chris? Oh, very hot, I'd say. Heels, I tell you what, my air conditioner's been going full bore, hasn't it been turned off? Uh, my <laughs> wife makes sure of that. I don't know how these people up in Queensland cope with no air conditioning. I must. No. I don't know how what? they do it. 
Would a stables, would the boxes have, you know, those fans that blow water spray out everywhere, all over them? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah, they, they would have they would have fans in there, and some of them might have the water spray as well. But interestingly, uh, in Hong Kong, where the horses are treated probably better than some of the humans, they yeah. uh, they have stalls with air conditioning and all that sort of thing. They're treated very well over there. But okay. um, no, we don't go to those extremes here. But the horses, as we know, are very very well looked after. Now, find us a winner. Eagle Farm. Mm-hmm. No, we'll start at the sunny coast tonight oh, if you like. Okay, well, of course. We'll take a winner anywhere. All right. I've got a couple of good bets there, I think. race. I certainly think race six, number six, Gap Gear will win. Uh, O'Day Hoisted. Second up, uh, 1,600 metres by Dun Deal. Just gave me every impression first up that he's looking, or she's looking for further. She's a mare. Uh, I think she can win at 1,600 metres tonight. And she's around $3 or so, which I think is a good price. So race six, number six, Gap Gear. And we'll go back one race, race five, number seven, Sarsen for Jaden Lloyd. Now, Sarsen uh, drew a wide gate here at the sunny coast last night, went back near last, was last on the home turn, ran on strongly into second spot, would have won with a better draw, gets a better draw tonight, can make amends. So, Sarsen, race five, number seven, and Gapier, race six, number six tonight, as I just cut someone in two to make sure I get off the uh, motorway. (laughs) (laughs) What about Eagle Farm? I hope hope we're not disturbing you here. No, no, not at all. Okay, Eagle Farm. Well, it's a good meeting at Eagle Farm, but there's... Look, well, there was an article, I think, Paddy, we spoke about uh, earlier uh, in the paper about the favourites, percentage-wise, winning at Eagle Farm. It's up near 40%. Yeah, Trenton Acres at 40% and only second to um, Flemington, which sits at 43 for favourites winning. So uh, it debunks a few critics yeah. of the track right at the moment, doesn't it? It's, it certainly does. We're going to go with race three, number eight, Vaccine who was very, very unlucky, well, not unlucky, but uh, narrowly beaten last start at Doombin a couple of weeks ago. Out to 1,600 metres, I think, is perfect for vaccine. So race three, number eight. Race four, number five, Al Burke. Now, put in a bit of an ordinary one last start a couple of weeks ago. A couple of reasons for that. First up from a little break, 1,350 was too short, and I thought was ridden way too close. This is a horse that likes to get back, find its feet, and then come with a big run gets those uh, boxes ticked tomorrow, bigger track, longer distance, and I think will be ridden cold. So Albert can bounce back. Uh, look, King Kappa should win race seven, number five, but he's probably going to be in red figures. But he looks the good thing of the day. If you can secure something black figures, you'll be doing very, very well. So if you stick with those three, you should have a winning day. Brilliant. Thank you, mate. Time is uh, against us. It's 6.53, and I know you'll have your show a little later on. That's what you're coming down for right now. You can hear Chris a little later on. It's 6.53. Got to get to a break.